Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. Literally. While I'm speaking. Well, no, you said Bob Payton. The champion on both sides. Gentlemen, you'll have your turn. One of the challenges we should have is focused on the issues that matter. Everybody knows that. If I may address on holding Joe Biden accountable, that's what we need to be I actually agree with Juan DeSantis. Speak at the same time. Now, right about now, you're probably wondering, is that a first grade class? Is that uh, Andy's grandma's Mahjong game? Nope. That was the Republican debate Wednesday night. We're going to talk about all that and much more. Because, boy, it was a busy week this week. All right. Our guest today is Stephanie Grisham. She was Trump's former press secretary. So she's going to be coming up shortly. But first, I want to thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. Here's a little feedback we got this week. On our Peter Frampton conversation, Leslie Jacqua writes, I was as happy for you getting to interview Peter Frampton as I was to listen to it. Such a nice interview. Teresa Fantasia Holy shit! My childhood idol! Wowza! Can't wait to listen. Marion Feldman, such a great interview. And Susan Grayson Stone, I was at that San Francisco concert. Transcendent it was. And she's referring to the Winterland concert in San Francisco in 1975, which is most of what the Frampton Comes Alive album is. Another very exciting announcement to make. So as you know, each week I sit here with the great Maddie Rosenberg, and Jen, I am always in a great Hamoud, Hamoud. <laughs> and uh, we are excited to announce that we are launching a brand new podcast together. And it is called Jew 2. Jew, capital T, O-O, one word, exclamation point. Now, right about now, you're probably thinking, does the world really need more anti-Semitism? Well, look, I'm a Jew. Rosenberg, guess what? He's a Jew. And Jen, maiden name, Sheer, Jew. Three Jews. So we can do it. And, and trust me, it's going to be fun and funny. Three Jews sitting in a room talking about all kinds of cultural differences between Jews and other religions and ethnic groups. So cliches, superstitions, food, neuroses, yada, yada, yada. That's Hebrew, by the way. Yada, yada, yada. Or is it Yiddish? It's Yiddish. Yiddish. It's Yid-ish. <laughs> and each week we're going to have a guest who, guess what, is not Jewish. Hence, Jew too. And we're going to talk about all the things that are, you know, different. Growing up. Growing up. Hey, did you do this growing up? Were your parents blah, blah, blah growing up? Look at me. I'm already talking like a Jew, right? <laughs> I'm already sounding Jewy. And I'm going to be channeling my inner Jew. People who know me will probably not recognize me. I'm going to be so Jewy. <laughs> Maddie, Jenny, uh, any? Jenny. Jenny. I called you Jenny. Has anyone ever called you Jenny? I was Jenny until I was 13. At my bat mitzvah, I became mm. Jen. <laughs> Were you Jenny from the block? I'd like to strive to be Jenny from the block. <laughs> Did you? You used to oh, have shit. a little and now you have a lot? I'm still Jenny from the block. All righty. All right. What do you guys have to say about this new podcast? Are you excited? I am excited. I'm really looking forward to convincing everybody that matzo brai is a great dish to eat. <laughs> Yuck. Also known as 
cardboard sautéed in butter. Is yeah. my, is I'm going to have to convince some Jews of the same thing. Yeah, so anyway, you can see where this is going to go, folks. Jen? Hmm. I really like the Jewish ailments. Mm. That's right in my lane. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Of which there are many. <laughs> Even when they don't exist, they exist. <laughs> so true. The hypochondria. See, that's a, see folks, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be like, Jews are kind of known for their hypochondria. How about you, Italian person? Are Italians known for their hypochondria? We'll is find every, out. Is every headache a brain tumor? <laughs> I mean, just earlier, Andy had something on his eye, and I was convinced that it's like, you know, immediately it's going to be cancer. So Yes, I, I had that, that rare form of cancer called <laughs> eyelid cancer. Not many people have it, but Jen was convinced I had it. So I think you get the point. We're actually going to be taping our first episode tomorrow. So stay tuned for announcements on uh, when it'll be posted. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trust me. Trust me. It's going to be so much fun. You won't want to listen to anything else. All right. What a busy week for news this week. So let's start with uh, Donald Trump in the news again. It's really getting worse and worse and worse for him. This week we saw that he and his uh, sons were found liable of fraud in the New York State civil trial. According to the ruling, business licenses were revoked. There's a dissolution order. They're shutting the businesses down. Yes. And what does that mean? And there's a lot of misinformation floating around. I mean, everybody needs to understand that Trump Tower, that's a condo. Mm-hmm. So all he owns is the commercial space. The people who own the apartments own the building like any other condo. But he has a contract to manage that building. Most of his business is really managing buildings. So he's not going to be able to do that. Then he has that golf resort up in Westchester, and he's got 40 Wall Street, Mm -hmm. which he bragged on 9-11, is now the tallest building in New York. So can he move his business down to Florida? He can move his operation. He can have his office. He can have his headquarters anywhere. But most of the actual properties, if not almost all of them, or in New York. It's painful for him. It'll be, it's it's a real ego blow, seriously. Yeah, well, they always say, get to him through his money. Absolutely. That's how he measures his entire worth and existence, not just financially, but as a person. And uh, he is Al Capone. Al Capone rotted in jail over financial crimes. And that's how they're going to get Trump, because it's the easiest way to bring somebody down. And he's now facing an existential crisis financially, in addition to politically and legally, that that he can't recover from. He can't spin his way out of it on Truth Social. He's going to try, but it is what it is. There really is no trial now. It's already been decided that he's liable of fraud. So the trial, which starts next week, is Mm -hmm. all about punishment, fines. What is it going to cost him? That's it. The argument over did he or did he not commit fraud, that's been settled through summary judgment which he lost. And he also lost in in his request to delay that trial. Mm -hmm. So the judge said, fuck off. It's starting Monday as planned. So the dominoes are starting to fall. Yeah, this is also why he's most dangerous now because he has absolutely everything to lose if he loses the election and everything to win if he wins the election. So he's going to stop at nothing to try and become president. And based on that, our GOP debate, uh, I don't see anyone nominated besides him. Yeah, but wait, well that... but wait, there's more. So the 
anti-Trump Republicans have been chomping at the bit to draft Glenn Youngkin. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're really, really excited because the debate showed how screwed up everything is. And uh, that might throw a little bit of a wrench. Youngkin's name has been floated for a while. But yeah, I mean, this is why they say a year is a, a lifetime in politics. I am not ready to say he is the nominee. There is so much that's going to happen. This is a man who is about to start at least the next 12, 13 months of trial after trial after trial, potential conviction after conviction after conviction, potential prison sentence after prison sentence after prison. And that's just on a good day. And so then you have other candidates who may or may not arise while he's falling. Voters are getting disenchanted with him. All he's doing is losing people. That base is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. He's in trouble. And so it's hard to say like with certainty that he's got the nomination. On paper, I agree with you, Matty. But at this point in the race, anything can happen. Maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I Matt, think Matty a... usually says one word answers when he knows I got him. <laughs> I don't see any way he doesn't get the nomination unless, you know, he drops dead or something, God forbid. Once we saw this debate, the last debate, I think the most anyone bumped was like two points in the polls. And this debate, maybe Nikki Haley will get a little bump. Uh, mm -hmm. It was terrible. All right. Speaking of debate. To be sitting alongside my co-moderators, Fox News Channel Dana Perino and Ilya Calderon, Cal uh, 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 Univision. Good, Good evening. evening. Now, of course, a white man on Fox is almost always going to have trouble with a Hispanic name. She was the clear winner of the debate. She was. Um, let's go to this clip. Curtains, do your yes. homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them back? It's in the press. Did you send them back? It's the State Department. Did you send them Did back? Did you send them back? You're the one that works in Congress. Oh, my gosh. You get it You time. hung them on your, your, your curtains. I, they your were curtains. there before I even showed up at the residence. You here's, are here's scrapping. A, here's you a, are scrapping. I'm not scrapping. Sure. Sure. You know here's, I fought Here's a fact. Here's a fact, though. Okay, I mean, look, there's not really much happening this week. Like, there's this little shutdown thing, which could be catastrophic for the U U.S. economy and military personnel and workers and the SEC. And Look, thank God we have GOP debates like this to show us that the most important things in this country involve Nikki Haley's fucking curtains, okay? Full disclosure, Chris, you mentioned the president's situation. I'm My wife... Uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've, I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. I, 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 I maybe I, I don't even know what, I don't even, I don't have a comment. I, I think that is the creepiest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. And I just want to get it out of my head. Mother. <laughs> who cares what any of the, who any of these people are sleeping with? Like, this is, this is the Republican party. And this was the best that Chris Christie could go, do, calling out Biden for sleeping with a teacher. I mean, the whole thing was beyond. And then, you know, That's Trump was like sitting in his bathrobe and screaming, I, nobody slept with more teachers than Donald Trump. Trump was the winner in that yeah. debate. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Menendez. Menendez. It's like... Uh, he's got to resign. I, he's, he should resign when, when, when they throw out George Santos. I, I, when they stop supporting Trump. That's when he should resign. Fuck it. I'm sorry. Shouldn't I'm, be two sets of standards here. I don't condone what he may, may, keyword may, be guilty of. Why does he have to resign? Why did Al Franken have to resign? Why is it our guys that always have to resign? 
he has to resign. I think it's clear there's at last count 16 Democratic senators, at least, maybe up to 20. Yeah. Well, how many f- tried to force Al Franken to resign, who now are on record regretting doing so? Right now, everything is upside down. George Santos is still in the House. Lauren Boebert is still in the House. They're they're promoting, supporting, and enabling a twice-impeached, four-time indicted, racist, rapist, sociopath. But our guy should resign. From a many standpoints, our guys should resign. Morally, he nope. should be forced to resign immediately, ethically, every which way you can look at it. But politically, if he stays in there, we are going to lose the New Jersey Senate seat because he's not going to be able to take it. And the longer he is there, the more damage he does. I support Maddie only because of that last statement. Well, I'm just tired of us living in, in two different s- sets of rules. Republicans yep. get to do whatever the fuck they want while they tell us what we need to do morally and ethically. The fact that certain people made a terrible mistake with Al Franken, two wrongs don't make it right. That was completely wrong. He should never have been forced to resign. But this person has gold bars in his jacket pocket, along with hundreds of thousands who, who of dollars does in it? cash. Who does and it, Maddie? It's, it's beyond comprehension. This is such an open and shut case. It's Look, I'm he, not his defense attorney, but I will say that he was indicted once before and exonerated. So innocent until proven guilty, right. in my opinion. I like that he leaves a meeting with an Egyptian representative and then goes to Google how much do gold bars cost or how much are they worth? Look, we can debate this from now until doomsday, but the fact is when you have one party that literally is a cesspool in a swamp and refuses to police its own and live by a certain code of ethics and standards, I mean, the Supreme Court, we could talk about that and Clarence Thomas again. Like, I'm just tired of the expectations being different for us. All right, let's move on. Um, shutdown. We're going to possibly have a shutdown tomorrow. There's not really much to say about it, except I wish the Republicans would stop fucking around trying to impeach Joe Biden, wasting our taxpayer money and our time with bullshit. I mean, this, this impeachment hearing, did you watch it? Did you hear any of this stuff? I saw excerpts of it. And I think this was a huge disappointment for Jim Jordan. He took his jacket off. He was ready to, you know, throw some punches. And then his star witnesses were like, eh, there's nothing here. Yeah, the story. <laughs> okay. okay, so you have Jonathan Turley, who is on Trump's payroll, practically. You have forensic accountant Bruce Dubinsky. Both of these guys said there was evidence to open an impeachment inquiry, but did not have enough evidence to justify impeachment charges. So these two out of four are already saying there's no there there. Then you have another law professor, Michael Gerhardt, who said he had not heard credible evidence to justify the probe and warned the panel that it was being driven by partisan concerns. This is their fucking witness telling them this is a partisan witch hunt. And then the best, the best, um, former Justice Department official Eileen O'Connor, who when she presented her opinions to the panel, she said that the crimes that Biden has committed definitely deserve prison. And then, of course, when she was questioned by Democrats, they said to her, you, you said maybe Hunter Biden, right? She goes, yeah, I inadvertently left that off. And he's like, that's a pretty big fucking word to leave off. So each one of these witnesses completely destroyed any foundational momentum that, that this hearing has. It's, it literally is the classic cart before the horse. It's, it's a solution in search of a problem. You should have some evidence. You should start the hearing with this is what we've got. Right. So, well, double standard. Only Democrats have to do that. Yeah. There is absolutely no evidence anywhere of anything with Joe Biden. Yet 
they're just trying to find something. All right, let's get to our winners and losers. My winner, Representative Dan Goldman, for leading the call for Justice Thomas to recuse himself from an upcoming case over ties to the Koch network. My loser, for a second week in a row, Kevin McCarthy. The impending shutdown would affect 7 million women and children who depend on WIC for healthy food. What happens to border control when the government is shut down? Talk about hypocrisy. Makes me very angry. My winner, New York-based food delivery gig workers, where a judge found that uh, Uber, DoorDash, and Grubhub, which challenged the new pay standard, which is going to require them to be paid $18 per hour, he ruled that they didn't have a case. My loser is Jim Jordan. His hearing was a complete debacle as his witnesses completely failed to say what he wanted them to say. My winner, Joe Biden, the clear winner of the GOP debate, and who gave a much-needed speech uh, yesterday about Trump and the threat of autocracy in America. My loser, Donald Trump, who fucked around and continues to find out. That brings us to our weekly rant. The Republican crazy caucus is hell-bent on impeaching President Joe Biden. For what, you ask? Who the fuck knows? Certainly not the Republicans conducting this sham investigation. And that was never more apparent in a fascinating exchange Wednesday between M NBC's Ryan Nobles and Missouri Congressman Jason Smith chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. At a news conference related to his committee's investigation into alleged, quote, influence peddling between Biden and his son, Hunter, Smith struggled not to look like a complete moron. Well, guess what? He failed. Smith began his shit show by citing, quote, evidence of corruption and misconduct involving the Bidens, and in particular, a June 6, 2017 message Hunter allegedly sent to a business associate on WhatsApp and said that he was not willing to, quote, sign over my family's brand. It is clear, Smith said, that Biden was referring to, quote, Vice President Joe Biden's political power and influence. Except here's Smith's problem. His timing sucks ass. Nobles pointed out that the message occurred after Biden was no longer VP and before he was a candidate for president. So he was actually not in politics at the time of the alleged political influence peddling which means there was no influence to peddle, which means that this pathetic GOP witch hunt is solely to appease their master, the perpetual victim Trump, and his obsession with revenge. As such, a befuddled Smith did what these embarrassing little Trumpers always do when bitch-slapped with facts. They deflect. He asked Nobles, where are you from? And after being told NBC, he said, oh, so apparently you'll never believe us. But with this bullshit humiliatingly exposed, an exasperated and testy Smith abruptly ended the exchange and moved on to the next reporter's question. To quote our recent guest Al Franken's book title, the Biden impeachment investigation, nothing but a bunch of lies and the lying liars who tell them. All right, let's get to Stephanie Grisham. She is the New York Times bestselling author of I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the Trump White House. During the Trump administration, she served as White House Press Secretary and Director of Communications for both the President and First Lady, Melania Trump. She is the only person in history who has held three senior roles at once while representing both the East and West Wings. Stephanie, welcome back in the back room. Thank you. Good to see you again. So before we start with all the political craziness, of which there is a lot, I want to talk about Benjamin's Animal Sanctuary. 
That's your, oh. your, your new, that's the thing you're passionate about, and you recently got it off the ground. Tell us a little bit about the, the sanctuary and, and the work you're doing. Yeah, that's actually so awesome. Thank you. It's so I just started, I just got nonprofit status about two months ago. Like I said, Benjamin's Animal Sanctuary, um, it's named after my dog, who, uh, I mean, I kind of feel like saved me after the Trump administration. I got him and, you know, um, I feel like, you know, we can rescue animals and they also rescue us. And so I've got it going. I'm looking for a property, but uh, we've got at the moment, we've got five cows, one very stubborn donkey, uh, six goats, six ducks, three rabbits. I just rescued a um, Belgian Malinois dog uh, two days ago named Molly. So I'm working with her. Um, I've been fostering kittens for the Humane Society and then I give them back to be adopted. So it's been it's been really fun and I'm learning a ton and I've never had as many bruises and cuts in my life. Well, I would imagine that having worked for Trump gives you a lot of experience dealing with the stubborn donkey. For sure. Well, and also just shoveling shit all day. I thought that once. I was like, I'm just sitting here shoveling shit. Folks, we can end the interview right now on that quote. That is the winner right there. Um, <laughs> and so where, how do you get connected to the animals? Are they brought to you? Do you Are you out seeking them? Um, I'm out seeking. Some are brought to me. The dog I just got was brought to me. Um, I'm a partner with the veterinarian here. And so a, another a dog was abandoned out in the country. That, and so the sanctuary paid for its medical care. Sadly, he died. But um, it's all all of the above. And I can't once I get bigger, more property, I'll be able to take more in, obviously. So I'm learning to write grants and I'm just learning to do all of these new things, which is fun and terrifying all at once. Well, it's such a noble thing you're doing. I, I'm a big animal lover and my daughter, Sophie, who's 19 now, is a huge animal lover. And ever since she's a little kid, that's all she's ever talked about is wanting to rescue animals and say, we have two rescue dogs, two rescue cats. Uh, we've rescued some fish from Petco. Um, I don't know if that actually qualifies as rescue, but we I think I, res- I have five fish in a pond that I rescued from some random, seriously, a bar. It's wow. a, a bar that had fish in the back. So I bought five fish while I was at a bar. But we have an animal sanctuary near me upstate. And they tell you how they get a lot of their animals. A lot of it is like from meth labs and things like that. It's crazy. Or pig situations. You have these drug dealers that just love to have giant pigs and all these animals being mistreated by these dope dealers. All right. So this is a good segue into politics because probably nobody needs more rescuing than that animal Donald Trump right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. But does, I don't know. Does he need rescuing? I, I don't know. Ask Donald Jr. and Eric. I think they would think there's some rescuing needed. He seems to be in the midst of a, a, a more serious existential crisis politically, legally, and now financially than ever before. So I'm curious to know, as someone who's spent a lot of time with him and understands him, what do you think of when you see all this going down? Where does your mind immediately go? It's kind of eerie that you're asking me this because literally yesterday, um, I, the TV was just on. I was just cleaning my house and and I got the kind of low down the gist of the latest uh, lawsuit where the judge just said, you know, your properties were overinflated and now he could lose all these properties. I don't know the the case very well, but my first thought, my first visceral thought was like, oh my God, I can't imagine what... I, I mean, not feeling sorry for him. It wasn't that, but it was he's got to now, just now, be really freaking out. And I feel like this could be the thing that would break him. Mm -hmm. None of the other cases I've thought that. But the one about, like, 
losing his properties, having stuff like that taken away. I mean, losing his literal homes, um, having that on his mind. Um, I'm sure Melania isn't happy about it. And there, I, I just, I, I thought this could be the thing that breaks him. And I, I had a moment, a human moment of being like, uh, I just, it's just horrible. Um, and then, you know, at, at the end of the day, you, you can't live a whole life of, of being a fraud without it catching up to you at some point. Yeah, I, and it's interesting what you say because I was I also wanted to ask you like when you see all this go down, what is your emotion? Sad? Are you indifferent? Like, because you are human, and those of us who aren't sociopaths, it, sometimes <laughs> it's hard to look at someone who's suffering, even if we don't like them, and not feel some kind of like I don't know. The other day, as a parent, I was watching all the stuff Eric was saying online, and I felt sorry for him for a little bit because he's not a child in a legal age sense but he yeah. is someone who's lived under the wings of this monster who has molded and shaped him into a little mini monster but does he really know better does he really understand how the world really works for most people or is he just a trump who's brainwashed like everybody else been beaten down like everybody else we know the abuse that took place you know verbal abuse with junior and eric and so even me, someone who can't stand any of them, there's a moment of, you know, yeah. what's going to happen to Eric and his kids? And That's where I go is the kids. You know, I mean, again, as somebody who spent a ton of time with not just, you know, Trump and Melania, but the, the, the kids, but also the grandkids. I mean, I spent mm -hmm. almost every holiday at Mar-a-Lago with all the little ones and, and, and then Baron, of course, I think of them. I think of these kids who've grown up in a world that, you know, they don't, a very nice world for them. And now what's going to happen? So I worry about them. I worry about Baron, I think the most because, you know, I, I got to know Baron and, and did a lot of things for him. I, but I think about Milani's parents mm. who are here and, you know, rely on the Trumps quite a bit. So there's a lot of facets to it, which, of course, the second, you know, I say this, I'll get attacked because now I shouldn't give him any sympathy whatsoever. But as you said, I'm a human being and I got to know some of these people and it's just, you know, it's it's sad. But then I do go to a place when it comes to just Trump himself. Right. Uh, well, you can't live this life of like a lifetime of fraud and not have it catch up to you either. Yeah. And now I feel like, great, now he gets to go potentially live in the White House for free. Because he won't have any other homes, you know? And right. then that, then I get stuff all over again, so. Yeah, it, it is complicated. And I don't think anyone could ever be criticized for having some humanity and compassion to, to a, an extent. But, yeah. you know, when you talk about Hunter Biden and his problems and where he's at, sometimes the, the compassion, the empathy, it has to go around. Maybe not equally, but I, I do blame Donald Trump for a lot of what Eric and Jr. and even yeah. Ivanka to a, a lesser degree what they experienced and what they're going through and the consequences that they and their kids and their kids and their kids' kids, this is not going away. Like 200 years from now, we're going to be talking about the Trump family and, oh, and, and that name, you know, which is now shit. But I, I was thinking of something else too. It's like, okay, let's say he loses his businesses. I mean, you know Trump better than most people. He'll just spin it. He'll just spin it like, I moved everything down to Florida, and you know what? It's now four times bigger than it ever was in New York. And now I bought, I bought 10 new properties that are worth $50 billion. None of it matters because he finds his way to spin anything awful into gold. And his people 
believe it all. Yeah. It was a corrupt judge. It's New York. It's the liberals. Like it's, you know, and well, another little facet that I've been thinking about actually just this morning was I think, you know, people should also, you know, kind of keep in mind if if and when he does start to lose these properties and businesses, we're going to and he goes into the White House, we're going to have a president who is even more of a national security threat because I can guarantee you he will be doing business with foreign um, company or foreign entities, countries like Saudi Arabia again in order to build his empire back up. So it's just, it's just, and you're right, he'll he'll bounce back and that's what gets, there are some days lately that I'm just like, none of it matters, mm. you know? No, why it doesn't. Am I speak- but you, you said something earlier, which I want to expand on. Do you think right now he truly is scared or more terrified than he ever was that he really is starting to understand the consequences in the ways that you mentioned, and a lot of people are talking about, like the way to get to Trump, get to his money. If you read the ruling in New York, his licenses are revoked. They ordered a dissolution. This, this shit's real. You can't spin this away on Truth Social. This is going to happen. And so for the first time, do you think he's really now terrified? That coupled with the likelihood of going to prison for other things that he's facing trial over. So yes and no. I think he's terrified of, you know, again, losing his business of, I mean, Trump Tower in New York is his beacon. And it's also his, I mean, you know, so he's got to be terrified of that. There's no way around it. But I don't think he even thinks he's going to go to prison Mm. yet. I think he just lives in such a, a fantasy world. You know, I think I've told you this before. I know I've said it before anyway, publicly. He used to say to me, you know, Stephanie, it doesn't matter what you say as long as you say it enough times, people will believe you. Right. And I think he kind of lived his life that way, too. And, you know, as per usual, he has surrounded himself with people who are telling him it'll be, you know, you're going to get out of this or, you know, that we're going to push all the appeals and you're going to win, sir. You're going to win anyway. And then you can get rid of all this mess. Like, I don't think he's worried about that stuff. Now, this New York stuff, absolutely. I can't imagine what that's doing to him. And I can't imagine how just pissed off and angry he is. And if I were working for him right now, this would be one of the times I would be like staying so far away from him. So let's let's play with that for a second, because I this is the shit I love. So like if you were working for him right now, what do you think you'd be witnessing? Are we talking a lot of spaghetti plates flying on the wall? Yeah, I mean, he it would be um, just just such anger and like it would what's weird about it is that he'll say he and I could be sitting at the table right today let's say and he could be just talking to me about who knows and then if he sees something on the news or it he'll just set off and like explode and throw things off the table and tell me that part of this is my fault because I don't know who knows I wasn't defending him enough and everybody around him sucks and all of his lawyers suck. And, you know, it's because no one around him is good and just go off and off and off. And it's just this verbal mental assault. And if you're in the room, you just have to sit and take it. You can't. I mean, you could you could stand up and be like, I'm not taking this shit and walk out, which I wish I would have done. Man, that would have been just awesome. But I didn't. And so these people won't. Um, And, you know, they will placate him because that anger is so weirdly scary that you'll just you just say like yeah the lawyers do suck Mm. yeah and i would do that too probably you know i would be like yeah your lawyers really do suck don't worry though your people will fundraise off this and so he's a screamer like a loud oh 
Yes, like yes. Really, really loud screaming. I'd say like at the top of his lungs screams, but he he yells and and then not only does he yell, which is a little jarring, certainly, but again, he's got a talent for like biting really cruel biting words, mm. like just cruel insults about how much you're useless and worthless and incompetent and why are you even around and you know it's it's very fucks with your head you're you're a culture of fear that you i mean people around him just are i would imagine terrified to just not be on the receiving end of his wrath it is i describe it as a circle of abuse because again if an abusive relationship whether it's mental physical whatever you as the abused will do anything to make that person stop including placating him you know which i and then he calms down, and then you just want to keep him happy. Truly. I mean, I can't tell you. I would wake up in the morning, and the first thing I'd do is go in and check with Dan Scavino and be like, "How? what's his mood? <laughs> that, that was probably the first words out of my mouth morning. What's our day, um, what's our day going to be, be like today? Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to, like, go take a Xanax and put some <laughs> armor on? Or, you know, will today be a relaxed Sunday? And so. where is Melania in all this? Like, what? what is, where is she right now? We haven't seen her in so long. Like, what is happening yeah. to her? So it's funny. I've done a few interviews on this, and I feel like I disappoint people because my answer is pretty boring. But in the, um, I guess we're getting into fall now, but in the summer months, she is always at Trump Tower. Like, she'll go to Bedminster on the weekends, but she doesn't spend as much time there as he does. Mm-hmm. And that's always good what she does. She gets her hair done. She goes shopping. She visits with her family. Um, I'm sure she was getting barren ready for, you know, school, this and that. And then now lately, the last few days, I don't know if you've seen it, and it's been like page six in the New York Post. So it's not been anybody really super reputable, but there's now sources out there saying Melania is renegotiating the prenup again before his second run. Um, and, you know, everyone's asked me about that. And it's funny because there's not a shot in hell that there are any sources who know that. That's It's just... He wouldn't be talking to his it people about it for sure. She never talked about it. I knew when she was meeting with her lawyers and I kind of had an idea of what she was talking about in those certain times, but I never even knew. Um, and you know what? If she's negotiating her prenup right now, or yeah, smart girl, shit, I'd be getting it all right now. <laughs> so you, know, you know, it's interesting. Like, I have so many thoughts in my head right now, one of which is, it's not normal for wives or husbands to spend the summer away from their spouse. That's number one. Number okay. two, with all the shit he's going through, if there was real love there, if that was a real relationship, wouldn't she be in Florida with him, comforting him, consoling him? As he's throwing spaghetti up on the wall, she's like, Don, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Like, where's his wife? Right? So two where's things. Yeah, two things there. Um. Number one, she doesn't want to be around him when he's pissed either. I mean, nobody. Well, that's my point. It's just want to be around him any at any point. Clearly, but she had this very, she had this very interesting way of looking at things. And I don't know. I really don't know if it's like an Eastern European thing. I don't know, but she truly is always like, I don't need to be there to hold him up. I don't need to be by his, he's a, he's a grown man. He, I, he's strong. I don't need to be there to hold him up. He's, he can handle things on his own. Oh, he's doing a great job of that, isn't he? Yeah, I know. And so like he, she, and she's always done that. I mean, even throughout the White House, there would be certain times when, you know, we would suggest maybe she should be here. I don't need to be there. I don't need to you know hold him up. And 
she towards the end she compared uh jill Biden. she's like look at jill biden she's always with joe biden it's like she's holding him up mm, like awful i him. hate when spouses I, do that i know but it's i mean that was her point of view and it was always really interesting to me Very yeah well i think you're right and i think the post is probably right i think she to me she's a cold calculating grifter she sees what's going on she smells the coffee she saw the ruling. She's probably sitting with a battery of attorneys going, make sure I get my shit when this all goes down. None of that Absolutely. is very loving as a spouse, I guess, is what my, my point is. I guarantee she's doing that, too. And I think that's maybe one of those. I'm not defending her and because I agree with you. She's she's calculating. She's a lot like more like him than people know or probably want to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, look, she knows who she married. Right. She knows who the the first wives were she knows how everything went down and uh, she wants to ensure that her son is taken care of and that she's taken care of and i don't know i can't fault her for that i would be doing the same thing i would no, be I, sitting down yeah i i would too i i guess I, the only difference is to me it's like I, if i were her i would have been divorcing him years ago yeah you know like, but also she's got a but but same thing if you look she's got a pretty good life she lives pretty separate from him. She can spend all of his money. She, you know, I mean, she's got all the best of everything and she doesn't really have to see him a whole lot. Now, what's missing in there is love and a connection and ethics, you know, companion. ethics. What's missing and is all, ethics. Yes, all, all of that. But I think, I think it, in my opinion, and I don't, you know, I think she's probably like, well, I'm just going to ride this out until I can't anymore. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get that. It, they're all so fascinating. Like there have been moments in my life where I've like I felt sorry for Melania, but then I'm like, no, 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 she's a grifter, and then him, and then it's just I I don't I don't, I don't understand them. I I think we're still going to be trying for the next hundred, two hundred years to figure out Trump and whether he believes his shit or whether, like you said before, people are telling him like how much does he really believe versus is it is it just he's stupid and narcissistic and delusional and needy and has you know, yes men around him all the time and blah, blah, I mean, blah, I think blah. it's all of that. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's all. Yeah. When he said Mark Milley should be executed for treason, that was kind of like a new turn, even for Trump. Like, I always think, like, how, how can he out-Trump himself? This, calling for the death of the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, just seems like new territory, even for Trump. Does that surprise so- you? No, no, it it doesn't. In the in our administration, he used to just in meetings, and I don't have specifics, but he would say sometimes like that's treason, which when it would be like, no, sir, it's not treason. Somebody can hate you, <laughs> that type of thing. So it didn't surprise me. What it did was scare the shit out of me. And you know, a few people and I were on a kind of a group text, and it's just people who who have worked for him, and you know. And, you know, it really is like, what's going to what's it going to be in the future if he wins? Is he going to round the people up and charge them with treason, which I think treason is actually you can have the death penalty in the United States. Yes. Which is very extreme. But yes, that's the punishment. Um, is he going to round people up? And I mean, I feel like, hello, oh, here I am, too. You know, it's it's really scary because he does believe that that's the dictator in him. If yeah. you disagree. Him, yeah, that's treason. You're not supposed to ever disagree with your president. And that is a Putin and KJU way of thinking. 
and it's terrifying. Yeah, well, I recently had Ruth Ben-Ghiat on, and she's a, a NYU professor. She teaches, studies fascism, and she's an author. And I asked her what I think is really the burning question, that every, with everything we know about Trump, w- is he capable of actually killing people, killing opponents? And this week, we saw clearly that he is. And she, she said for sure. I mean, he is a, a dictator wannabe, and if he's back in power and you know, Attorney General Rudy Giuliani and Mike Flynn is God knows yep. what and Pillow Guy is FBI director. Like, I mean, who knows? I mean, they'll just, you know, back to our conversation about Trump Tower, he'll just authorize the seizing of Trump Tower back to like, yeah, when you're a dictator, you can do whatever you want. I mean, look at what happens all over the world in those countries that have dictatorships. There's no law. What? The law is what the <laughs> dictator wants it to be. Yep. And he's already said he wants to consolidate power to the executive yeah. branch. I mean, he's already said that. And he has said that his next term would be about retribution. And I think another thing people don't think about, why would why, why should they? But he's this would be his, his last term. Hmm. He doesn't have to worry about trying to get reelected again. So he can go hog wild and just do some crazy things. And imagine Stephen Miller, that would be our head of DHS and immigration. You want, crazy. it's just... The, the picture of what could happen, I don't think is being painted enough. I saw yesterday the Club for Growth mm-hmm. was trying to do some messages and, and it, of ads against him and it wasn't working. And I really think that, you know, looking back, while that's important to talk about, I think the picture of what his next presidency will look like is, is what people should understand. And He's not, I can promise people, he's not going to fight for them in the second term. Well, I think he's you, you posted, I think you retweeted a, a video from Mission Democracy. Yeah. They did a gr- fantastic job presenting that picture of what it- I'm working with them. What yeah. a, what a dictatorship looks like. Like, that ad was terrifying. And mm-hmm. But I woke up this morning thinking, we know Trump, we know whenever he's a cornered rat, he lashes out. And so- to me, he's more deranged, more enraged, more desperate, more dangerous, more authoritarian than he's ever been. And when he's facing the prospect of prison and losing all his money, what is he going to do? Like, what are we staring down the barrel of when this man who's in an existential crisis that he never imagined, which is real, decides, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. What does that look like? You know, I, I think there's a couple of things. I can't, I'm sure he's doing all kinds of weird, shady business shit right now to sock money away, hide stuff, whatever, hide assets, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that he will continue to rile up his supporters. I think he will continue to fundraise, but for personal reasons. I think he will rely on the time he's going to be given through so many appeals. The mm-hmm. appeal process is him so much time and i think that we have a real possibility that though if something were to catch up to him if something were to come real close to like i could he could be arrested or i don't know i can't even i can't even think of it i think he would call for like a call to arms mm. i do i, I think I he would some kind of a weird donald trump civil war i, I think he would call for people to get hurt certain people i, I think I do. I think that that is, you know, and it's maddening to me, too, right now that he keeps being told by judges, don't threaten people, don't do this. And he keeps doing it. Mm -hmm. And I just imagine, like, 
why won't somebody just put the guy in jail for 24 hours to to really, hey, buddy, this is what you're, I mean, that I think would really, really I don't know what that would do, actually, when he got out, I don't know what would happen. So maybe that's a bad idea. But um, I think he would do a call to arms. I think he'll wait, he'll wait it out and pray he wins the election so he can just make it all go away. But I think if it's getting to the point where, yeah, I think he'll he'll call on people to attack, you I, know? I think you're a thousand percent right. Do you think he's a flight risk? No, I, everybody knows who he is. I mean, sure, I guess he could go to Russia, which is a non-extradition country. Mm -hmm. That's, that is sure, that's a possibility. But I think his ego, that's the thing. I think it's his ego that will co is constantly the little thing that will take him down. And I don't think his ego, unless that, you know, unless there's just a picture of like, sir, there's not a shot in hell you're going to win this presidency. Mm -hmm. Then I could maybe see him doing it. But other than that, I think his ego would not allow him. I think, and I think right now he really believes he's going to be the but, next president. But think about how every time he loses and he's lost, I mean, all he does is lose. His whole fucking life is a sham yes. because he's lost everything if it wasn't for the 400 million his daddy left him he literally would be working at at you know chuck e cheese so he's mm -hmm. just nothing but a loser but it gets back to the spin he could go to russia he'll spin it so yes. I, I, this is the part where i'm not sh I, I don't think i'll ever really understand him i agree with you on the ego but it's like when the ego is bruised he goes into spin mode and he makes the ego yeah. feel better and his people believe yeah. him so he could spin a story about why he went to russia take the trump plane Go to Russia. You know what? You, you, like you I said, mean, he's I'll... emptying his bank accounts right now. He's, he's... I think he is. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why people but don't think he's a flight risk. He's the, to me, he's the biggest flight. He's the biggest coward that ever lived. But... And I think it's a possibility if, if he's not going to you know, win or whatever. But also, fine by me if he goes to Russia. I mean, he'll still, he'll still, yes, control people from afar. And he'll still be a presence. But... I think right now the focus for me, honestly, is just he he cannot get into the White House. That's all I can mm -hmm. focus on right now. Number one is so great. If you need to if you need to run to Russia, fine. At least I know you're not going to go into the White House, and you know people's memories are short, and you can just be in Russia and be a keyboard warrior, and that's fine. I mean, it'll still the country will still be divided, but at least you can work on that. Mm. He can't get in the White House. Right. Is my and the Russia thing, if you think about it again, we know his MAGA people love Putin. They hate Ukraine. Yeah. There's so many parts of that that make sense, given his history, given his ego, given his cowardice, and knowing when people are saying, you're going to lose your businesses, you're not winning the election, you're probably going to go to prison. Well, why the fuck wouldn't he get on that plane and go to Russia? But, yeah, I uh, agree. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you is about the debate. I assume you watched the debate? Yes. Let's have a little fun. Let's play a little lightning round. I'm going to throw out a name, and you just tell me in a couple of words what you think. Okay. Ron DeSantis. He did better. Nikki oh, Haley. Oh, I've got you. Nikki Haley. <laughs> she was strong. Um, the I feel, I feel, I get dumber every time I hear you comment was money. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Chris Christie. Love him. Why? I don't think he'll, but I love him. Why do you love Chris Christie? He just he just tells it like it is. He speaks to people in a very authentic way. It's not a bunch of sound bites. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Pence, who I love, I know I'm getting ahead of the mm -hmm. lightning round, but 
he just speaks like a politician and it's just over and over. And Chris Christie's just like casual. And I just, I just love him. All right. Mike Pence. He looked unwell. He looked unwell. I was actually worried about him. I thought he looked sick. He did. He, now that you mentioned that, he did look a little pale and like, pale. yeah, yeah. Like the blood was but, drained from his face. Yeah, but he was predictable, I would say. What about his remark about sleeping with a, with a teacher for 38 years? I mean, that surprised me. I, I mean, ugh, it, but it surprised me. The last couple of debates, he has some things that I've been like, whoa, you came to play uh, and just kind of, yeah, out of the box for him. <laughs> he's so, he, to me, he's so creepy. He's robotic, but like, robotic. what are you talking? Who cares? I don't want to think about you sleeping with anybody. Uh, yeah. How about uh, uh, Vivek Ramaslimy? Snake oil salesman. Tim Scott. Uh, boring. I, uh, I mean, just I, he's just boring. Mm -hmm. Let's. Uh, so, what? So, what did you? Well, what? You forgot the guy at the very end. He needs to go. Oh, Who's going to be Bergam? Yeah, Bergam. Yeah, he's got some fantastic eyebrows, though. Oh my gosh. I think and his eyebrows actually... should run for president. They're, they're <laughs> they strong. They're powerful. They're strong. And, and they send, <laughs> they definitely send a clear message. I think there's a clear agenda with the eyebrows. <laughs> yes. Um, what'd you think overall? Like, does it matter? These yokels getting up there, flapping their lips, like they're completely ignoring the guy who actually is ahead by 40 points. They're all acting like one of them is going to win. It's yeah, very um... strange. You know, it is strange. It's it's a uh, as with everything these days. Like I have a million feelings about it. Um, I was. I, I think they should be doing it. Like you know, it's, it's important to debate. I think, and I, their rating, the ratings were quite good. It sounds like so that made me happy that people at least were tuning in. But it's again, you start to have this feeling of like it doesn't matter. He's Trump is not there, and he's so mm -hmm. far ahead, and it doesn't matter. And none of you are going to go after him aside from Chris Christie. And you're all up there just basically kissing his ass. So you're not, you don't look to me if I want a president who's going to stand up to people. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to stand up to Donald Trump, how are you going to stand up to Kim Jong-un or Putin, et cetera? Right. So I do feel it's pointless, but I also don't like to say that because I think debates are very, very important, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, even Chris Christie, like nobody, there was not one person on that stage who looked into the camera and said, folks, I know we're divided in this country right now, but. Do we really want in our party a nominee who's four times indicted, who's facing 91 felony charges, who a judge called a rapist? Is this, is this what our party is? Like, why isn't anyone, Biden isn't even doing it. Like, why is no one screaming the obvious? He's a fucking rapist. He's indicted. He's a crook. He's a traitor. He's facing four trials and four jurists. Why is nobody attacking him that way? I don't. I don't have an answer. And again, that's where I've been the last few weeks of just like almost defeat, because nobody is. There's the people who are are like, you know, Cassidy Hutchinson or mm. Miles Taylor, myself, Alyssa Fair, like Olivia Troy. There's this like tiny group trying to scream into the wind. Meanwhile. People like Kevin McCarthy and, oh, I don't know, presidential nominees won't do it. And it's it's so frustrating and it gets hard because, again, it's like, well, why? None of it matters. Yeah. 
Actually, the, la the last thing I want to ask you, you reminded me, uh, and I'm glad you did. Um, Peter Navarro, you're a pimp lady. Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm very honored to have my very first pimp lady on this you're podcast. You're welcome. It's a, welcome. a deep honor. I appreciate yeah. you being here. Yeah. So you're welcome. Peter Navarro tweeted, quote, why would White House men, president, VP, senior aide, ever hire a woman after watching book pimps Cassidy Hutchinson, Alyssa Farah, Stephanie Grisham, Kaylee McEnany, Olivia Troy, throw mud at Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. Pimp ladies be given real MAGA women. Bad name. I mean, first of all, Miles Taylor, Michael Cohen, Peter Strzok. Um, uh, I mean, the names go on and on and on. Men who have written books after leaving yeah. the Trump White House. Yeah. What is yeah. he even talking about? It's just, is he just so despicably misogynist and sexist that he doesn't even understand the shit that's coming out of his own face? Oh, a hundred. I could, you could dedicate an entire podcast to Peter Navarro stories from me. Um, yes, is the short answer. Also, <laughs> Alyssa Farah and Olivia Troy didn't write books. So there's that. Um, and, and yeah, one time in, I think in the White House, not I think I know, in the White House when we were looking for who wrote the anonymous book, which was a man, Peter put together this weird-ass dossier. He, like, put, I mean, like, uh, legit had a, a red cover. It was intense. And he was convinced it was a woman who worked in the NSC, and he had all these reasons why it had to be her. And one of the reasons was that the author of the book seems caring and maternal, so it must be a woman. Mm. God, Trump must have labbed that up like a stray cat with a bowl of milk. You know what, though? The woman almost got fired. I, there, it, myself and um, Mick, Mick Mulvaney's deputy chief of staff had to really go to bat and be like, what are we doing here? We don't know. You're like, what? She almost got fired because of Peter. He, he was strategically left out of meetings all the time. People left him out of meetings all the time. He, nobody respected him. The president didn't like him half the time. People, uh, he was so, <clears throat> excuse me, universally hated in our White House that it's just funny to, to watch him now. And I just, look, I'm, like I said, I tweeted, I think I'd love if somebody made a pimp lady t-shirt for me. I'm, I'm honored. Somebody pimp should. Lady. I want one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'll um, send you a pimp lady. Do you have another crazy Peter Navarro story? He would show up to work at the White House. He rode his bike in full, bright yellow neon spandex. That's crazy. And would often like walk around in his office with just socks on and would cook out of a tiny crock pot sometimes. Wow. So. He's, he's, he's quite a guy, isn't he? He's, yeah, yes. And, and you know what's funny too? I, when I was press secretary, helped him so much. He would always come after us that these op-eds would be the, the churning point for everything and no other press secretary would ever give him, let him put op-eds in and things needed to be done at the speed of Trump and like crazy shit. Um, and I would always just entertain the guy. I would get some of his op-eds done. Like I was probably one of the kindest people to him in that whole White House. Um, and so it's just funny to me to watch him, mm. his antics. Yeah, he he's oh, he's to me one of the one of the most awful, dangerous people. I, I, and I say this as a Jew. He reminds me of like when you see 
who Hitler's henchmen were, Goebbels and, and Goring and uh, Himmler and all those guys. Like, he's capable of that shit, in my opinion, if Trump ever became. He would be the enforcer to do some really, really bad shit. So it's just No, yeah, I agree. Wait, and I have one more good story. He had a house in California he was selling, and there was an open house one day, and people were walking through his house looking to buy it. And an Asian couple, I guess, went through to look, and he he wanted the Secret Service to get involved because they they were clearly Chinese spies in his house. So you can't make, there you go. You can't make this shit up. We're going to end on that note because I don't think yes. you can, I don't think you can top that. Stephanie is always fascinating talking to you. you. You have this window into the mind of one of American history's greatest enigmas and dangerous people. And uh, I, I literally could sit and talk to you about this stuff all day because it fascinates the shit out of me. So you'll have to come <laughs> back and, and maybe we will dedicate a whole episode to Peter Navarro. Uh, yeah, I, that really sounds like fun to me. Do we call it Pimp Lady Tells All? You, there's your podcast name. If you ever do a podcast, Pimp Lady. Here we go, Pimp Lady. Oh my God, we can co-host that together. That's... We just have to find a name for me, Mac we'll Daddy, Mac out. Daddy, and Pimp Pimp Lady. <laughs> Love it. It would be. I think it'd be a hit. I'm serious. Um, <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. I look forward to the next one. All right. Talk soon. Take care. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy. It was co-edited and co-produced by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Hollander and our logo was designed by Cricket Langell. And special thanks to Patricia Wind. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards and have a great week. 